Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Lumia. And we're super passionate about all things coaching, and we want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training thousands of life coaches. Let's dive into the science and magic of coaching. On today's episode, we're going to talk about coaching framework for working with the self. So bringing it back to you. And Noelle told me that this episode is going to be a little touchy-feely. Yeah. Noelle, good morning. It is going to be touchy-feely. And, um, you know, I, I want to open with a, a text message that I, I recently sent to one of my clients. Mm. Um, I, I text with my clients in between sessions just to kind of do some of that deeper work. And um, my client was having this really awesome experience with family, with kids, and was feeling um, like he wasn't useful. Mm. And... My response was, what do you think the meaning of life is? And if you think about your kids, uh, he has two twin little boys, what will it mean for those babies to be useful and in the service of which God? Mm. And that's a question that's really stuck with me as I've kind of rolled through of, you know, what do I think the meaning of life is? And John, I would, I would posit this to you as a father, you know, when you think about your child, what does it mean for Logan? What's your expectation for Logan to be useful in life and in the service of which God? At 7 a.m., I still have yeah. uh, eye cookies in my my eyes, two yeah. sips of coffee. And Noah's asking, me, Noah's asking me, what is the meaning of life? I am. Wow. I am. I think with Logan, um, but also with myself, oh, how do I say this? Um to go on that uh, uh, inner journey where you get out of the way of yourself. That's the best way that I could explain it. So something greater is working through you. Um, and I don't think this happens. I mean, I mean, I guess it could happen when you're in high school and stuff, but I think it's a, the, the, the arc of that it takes a, a lifetime. I think that's the meaning of life is for, I also think it's a personal responsibility for all of us to get out of our own way so something greater can work through, uh, through us so we can be of service to the world. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, it's... Uh, I also, also good, good, um, good coffee and good sex, too. Yeah, right. Seriously. Because <laughs> I mean, you, you talk about, um, you know, positive psychology, you talk about, uh, is it a uh, hedonic a pleasure, right? Pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I toss in there, you know, food, friends... Yeah, any kind um, of pleasure. And, and the experiences, right? Like, you know, when, when I really pull back and I, I think about where I experience the most suffering in my own life, it's in these places where there are these outside systems and structures where somehow I feel like I'm not measuring up to mm -hmm. an invisible standard, whether it's money yeah. in my bank account or money in my retirement account or what it means to be a good daughter, a good wife, mm -hmm. a good friend, am I, you know, a good um, manager, a, a good business partner, like all of those things, those are all external and they give me these standards that I have to measure against. And, and it's the measurement itself where I experience suffering. But if I actually pull back and say, damn, you know, it's only my responsibility as a human 
yes, to be a good person, of course, you know, what's my legacy in this life, but what do, it's my responsibility to experience the world mm. and, and to be mesmerized by the experience of everything that you can see, do, think, feel, taste, hear in this life. That is uh, the meaning of life for you, correct? Is what you're saying is the uh, to experience the world. Yeah, I love that. I love that too. I mean, I agree with you. That's why it's like it's hard to it's hard to pick one uh, definition because it's such yeah. a big question. Yeah, and, to experience life fully for sure. Oh yeah, to experience life fully, and 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 I think often um, about technology, right? Which is so miraculous that at seven a.m. we could be doing this from across the country um, at the same time. I wonder and, and worry about the way that technology adaption has set up this experience for folks to be projecting mm -hmm. life versus mm -hmm. experiencing it and setting it up to look a certain way right. versus to have the visceral experience of it be authentic. So, yeah. And so not only that, but now with AI, um, Noel and I could actually be someone else who, because with AI, they could um, um, create voices of different people. And through AI, you could also say, um, create a uh, episode of uh, a podcast with Noel and John, and it could, based on our other episodes, formulate something. Um, it may not be as original or authentic, but uh, yeah, I mean, that technology is also um here too so yeah to have the projecting. experience for us essentially yes that's yes. wild that that's wild. wild yeah all right so so this framework that we're going to get into is important because what we're talking about these are the big questions of our time uh, this is what we experience this is what our clients experience and this is what we experience as coaches in that sticky juxtaposition of who am i as a professional and who mm -hmm. am I as a human? And what's the balance between creating uh, either content or an experience in yeah. a in a either performative or beneficial way for our clients? And then, you know, are we actually manipulating and turning the dials in a way to to validate our needs based on those external standards? Um, and this goes for our clients too, because you know we all do this. Yes. Yeah. And this is really interesting, especially with social media, uh, how we present ourselves. Um, I know for me, who I am as a human comes before um, what I do for a living. Uh, and also, yeah. I, over the years, I've kind of, you know, erased that line. Um, but for many, many coaches, especially new, they're very conflicted on how do I present myself? I want to be professional. Uh, but, you know, how much of my personal life do I show? And, you know, it's going to be different for everyone depending on your comfort level. That was actually the, one of the questions that, that I had for you today and that, that I wanted to address was, you know, okay, so, you know, starting at the forefront. So we'll work this through. Before you have clients to run um, the framework in session, you need to do the marketing. You need to present yourself mm -hmm. as a coach. So that's actually mm -hmm. step one. So you've been producing content for, you know, about a decade. Yeah. What has it meant to you personally, or how has it impacted your life to have had your real vulnerable life on display? Uh, it's been challenging. Uh, it's been also uh, powerful. It's been 
meaningful. It's been a, a, a lot of things. Um, for me, I didn't start off with any kind of marketing plan. Um, when I started social media, I wasn't even around. Um, I was a blogger. So uh, I also didn't think anyone would read my blog. So organically, um, because blogs were very personal, organically, uh, it started off, I started off with that foot forward, just, you know, uh, journaling my feelings. And so mm -hmm. that was the runway for me. And then um, Facebook came out, Instagram came out. And I just kind of, um, at that point, I've already started doing that. So I just rolled that into social media because that was the way I did it. And I felt okay about it. So that's that's how it happened for me. I think today people are kind of overthinking and they're um, trying to they're trying to predict what the audience wants. Mm -hmm. which I think can be a, a mistake and that people can kind of smell something that is uh, false or not authentic. Are there any parts of you that you now hold back or that you wish you held back? And, and how do you tell the difference between too much information and like genuinely authentic content? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's uh, stuff on my YouTube channel uh, that I want to delete. There's a lot. I mean, I go back to my old writing and I cringe. It's, uh, I mean, really? it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's like the uh, orange sweater you wore um, in high school and, you you know, the, that kind of thing. Um, at the time, it was great. But then looking back, you kind of cringe. Um, but I purposely uh, forced myself not to delete things because uh, I see them as little time capsules. And if I start deleting parts of my story, uh, I'm going to be a hypocrite because I kind of, you know, tell other people that all parts of your story will be used. So even though there's stuff out there that uh, I really, that makes me cringe and I'm embarrassed about, I just leave it up there as a, as a kind of a challenge to myself um, because I don't want to uh, manipulate by taking out parts of my story because I personally, you know, don't like them or embarrassed of them. Yeah. Uh, unless it's offensive. If it's offensive, that's different. <laughs> fair, fair, Yeah. fair. It's, it's interesting when when we started, I was also writing, I was also putting out deeply personal, you know, content. Mm -hmm. And as time went on and I got more and more afraid of the world out there, consuming yeah. me, consuming my content, judging me, judging my content, my audience narrowed. Mm -hmm. And then there was a point where I would write, you know, just for our coaches. And then there was a point where I stopped altogether. Mm -hmm. And in that juxtaposition, I feel like I lost a lot of the poetry that I really used to craft and yeah. curate, you know, through yeah. my lens. And I think about that, about, about, you know, the part of me that was lost and why I did it, you know, for what God did I stop writing? And it, it was mm -hmm. the God of, of capitalism, if I'm being honest, in order yeah. to, to, to intentionally put into the world a professional presence which right. is necessary for, for what i do it, yeah and also i'm not a ceo so um <laughs> if i was wearing that hat uh yeah i would probably show myself less or i would be different i would adjust you know um because i i, I see myself as more uh, um, of an artist therapist writer i feel more free to express myself in that way but someone like you you know who has the ceo title it must be a lot more challenging uh, there must be more things you think about when you're posting stuff or if you do i have to say it's changing for me right now and yeah. and and writing out this framework today was a big point of reflection because as i put myself through the exercises as we'll do in a second i realized that you know i don't know if that masking is necessarily positive 
what would it be like mm-hmm. to be a CEO that was just unabashed and unbridled sure. with yeah. my joy and my words? You know, what if yeah. I centered um, my own version of freedom in, and held it implicit in my position? How would that change my life? How would it change the lives of others? So yeah. I don't know. Hold me accountable. Yeah, I um, yeah. I think you're a talented writer. And I, think, I think you should. I would like to see more of um, your personal side, you know. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be a grand adventure, right? So, so let's let's get into this because I want to take my own medicine today, and it's it's good medicine. So, thinking about clients, thinking about clients in session, um, have you seen this come up for your own clients? Um, the relationship with the self that people don't accept themselves for who they are and feel that we can only be enough if certain standards are met. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's just a world that we live in. You know, I think uh, if you are exposed to um, any kind of uh, advertising, and uh, of course now with social media, um, there's always comparison. There's always uh, judgment. The judgment is usually starts with self, and uh, it's it's a common thing. And um, I kind of sense I sense it with uh, all my clients. You know, uh, mm-hmm. to different degrees, but I think. Uh, um, everyone that I've helped uh, struggled with all that stuff, like tying worth to anything external, you know, including myself. Yeah. And what this does for folks and, and what this has done for me is it creates a deep feeling of when you're not enough, when you're not measuring up to individualistic, frankly, unattainable standards, mm-hmm. it creates a really tense way of living and this hamster wheel where there's always something else that we need to do, that we always need to do the next thing, that where we are is never good enough. Um, And even if we do get like a minute of validation, it's fleeting. And then we continue to have to strive to be the person that we think we, we should be, but that ball keeps moving. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things that, uh, I mean, as I kind of slide into my fifties, um, it's one thing that I definitely, um, that it's, it's all a mirage, you know, uh, I lived most of my life. Like I just seem to get there and then things will fall into place. I will be happy. And then when I get there, a, it's not what you look, what it looked like in your head, but, but B, then you want to go somewhere else. And so it's always a moving target. And, um, I think it's a dangerous trap. I do too. And I yeah. think that this is a really important conversation for coaches and the work of coaching, because we, we work based on goal accomplishment and goal attainment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some big questions that I have is, you know, if we're thinking about starting at the beginning, well, how did we get here? Right. Um, how do each of us know what kind of person we should be? Mm. What do you think? How, how is that formed? So I always go back to, uh, and this is how, for me, this whole thing started. Um, am I showing up or living my life in a way that's honest to me? So um, not honest to who I used to be, not honest to who I want to be, but honest to me right now. And so when I was going through a divorce, um, that's kind of one of the first questions I asked myself is, does this feel honest to me? And so when I applied that to career, it didn't, you know, I felt really, um, I felt like I was in a straitjacket trying to conform. Uh, I felt really uh, kind of gross and scared. And I was walking on eggshells. And I was like, this isn't honest to me. This isn't me right now. 
And so that's why I did the whole angry therapist thing. Um, it was giving myself permission uh, to build something that felt more honest to me. Uh, so that would yeah. be, that would be where I would start is, you know, uh, whether it's your work, your relationship, your friendships, anything, does it feel honest to you with where you're at right now? Absolutely. And, and I would drill down further on that with values of, of, mm -hmm. of how you want to feel. So what does it feel like when yes. you're being you know honest to yourself? So for me, that's something that I've identified over and over and over again is when I'm in my most honest, most authentic self, I am filled with joy. Mm. I am silly. I am yeah. dancing. I am laughing. I'm loving. I'm cooking for people. I'm, right, you know, right. throwing like joy everywhere. And if I take that and juxtapose it against all of my experiences and use that as my compass, I'm like, holy shit, I need to reroute here. <laughs> like mm -hmm. things things mm -hmm. got weird along the way. What's the feeling for you? What do you attach to your honesty? Um, there's freedom. Freedom. So if I don't if I don't show up in a way that's honest to me, or I don't if I don't work in a way that's honest to me, I feel trapped. Um, I feel grabbed, I feel unfree. Um, you know, I feel like uh, I'm painting by numbers, right? I, I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna create anything. Uh, unique and different. Uh, if I start working in a way that's honest to me, I feel freedom. I feel breath. I feel um, clarity. Um, and I think all of that leads to joy, flow states, you know, uh, happiness and all that. But um, uh, for me, if I don't, maybe it's because I'm an Aries, I'm a fire sign. So, you know, I, I just, I, I need a little bit of wind and I need to constantly be burning. But um, if I don't feel freedom, uh, that fire goes out really fast and then I start getting yeah. depressed and then, you know, I'm also an extremist. So I either, I go from cloud nine to just basically hell very fast. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I do too, except it's, it's like, it's like a subtler cloud where I just yeah. like put my head down and, and suffer, frankly. Yeah, yeah. And so when we're doing this with clients, it's important to juxtapose that authentic feeling against all of the different rules that mm -hmm. we were given and mm -hmm. figure out where they came from. You know, was it our parents? Was it our school? Was it our community? Was it our country of origin? Was it, um, mm -hmm. I, I don't even know the, the, the social group we fell into. There are so many different structures that give us these rules for understanding who we should be. And those rules don't really take into account those deep, states of being that we just named like joy and and freedom are there any that i missed that you think of that can be really powerful in shaping you know invisible and false rules that people have um n no but i i uh i love the point that you're you're touching on now i think we all need to do a life audit because mm -hmm. um when life happens uh, especially if you have kids uh you're on this routine you know you're just doing all the tasks, you're always trying to catch up. Um, and you may not even be on the right path for you. And so yeah. if you do a life audit, and speaking of values, and uh, because you know, we a lot, a lot of times unconsciously, we're tracing uh, not only old blueprints that belong to our parents or whoever, but they're old blueprints that belong to us. Meaning it's who we used to be and what we thought, you know, our old definitions. But if we do a life audit, um, like a divorce is a great time, obviously, to do a life audit. Uh, you may realize, oh, I'm tracing something that's not even honest to me. 
Here's my new definition. A lot of a lot of people come to Lumia because they've done their life audit and they realize I want to help other people. I don't want to do this other career, you know. And then they start uh, taking a new path in life. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's really important. And there's, you know, unfortunately, what holds people in place, even even doing the life audit and understanding, man, I'm off track. I need to go in another direction. Um, there's fear. Because yeah, we've course. been so conditioned mm-hmm. that if we don't meet the standards that someone else set forth for us, everything will crumble and there will be loss on well, the other I mean, side. To to rip to rip our map in half and to toss it is terrifying, right? Yeah. And so that that's yeah, of course, and it was for me too. Um throwing your map away, starting all over is just, yeah, it's like where do I start, you know? Where do I start? We're, and so the, the, the coaching question that comes into play here is what are we truly after? And, mm-hmm. and that can be such a terrifying question, which is why I always like to anchor in those feelings because you don't have to define fully the future vision. When, when I say I'm truly after joy and mm-hmm. you say I'm truly after freedom, that actually opens up a ton of room for it to look a whole lot of different ways yeah, yeah. that we might not ever be able to imagine on our own. Well, I don't think we can. And I think you're not supposed to because um, whether it's joy or freedom or whatever you're after, or whatever you're after uh, there's a uh, period where you have to just experiment. You have to throw things at the wall. You have to color outside the lines. You have to go through um, just rolling up your sleeves and playing with it, playing with things to even know what you want. I don't think it's like, oh, I see it. It's exactly what I want um, because it's probably not, you know. And so, taking chances and and this is where you know my whole like um, promise to self to build the bus while I'm driving it. And a lot of times that bus crashes. I get it, but I have to do that for me to know, for me to have data, for me to you know. Give myself yeah. new experiences. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's such a good point. Like, so this feels so normal, so natural, and it makes a ton of sense when we're sitting here saying it. But what we're suggesting is actually a really radical way of being because our whole society mm-hmm. is based mm-hmm. on measurements. And um, there are four points that that I took down regarding this technique that we want to work with clients on. And these can be really hard for people to internalize Mm -hmm. that we are loved regardless of our mistakes, that we're worthy of affection and belonging regardless Mm -hmm. of our imperfections, that we deserve to be here on this earth and that we deserve to be loved, you know, period. What has been your experience with with those tenets for yourself and, and seeing them in others? Um, I think they're rare. I think a lot of people, uh, successful people on paper, um, a lot of times they go after what they're going after because they don't feel worthy or lovable. They're, they're um, trying to um, fill holes with trophies, performance, that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of clients, I also see a lot of, um, high achievers, a lot of, uh, uh CEOs and people that have done very well. And, um, when we start having conversations about self-worth and self-care 
and all of this stuff, um, it's it's a problem. <laughs> they don't they don't like themselves basically, and they and they haven't because of whether it's childhood or you know whatever. Um, so now their performance um, is coming from a place of proving something, not from a place of feeling value. Yeah, and and all all of the literature in positive psychology, all of the empirical data suggests that when we turn to those tenets, which are actually representative of character versus outward markers of success, we, we feel better and we can begin to experience what's known as authentic happiness. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I think coaches have to contend with is, um, as you're describing, you know, very successful people are often unhappy. Yeah. And I've been having a lot of conversations with other uh, female CEOs, really specifically. And mm-hmm. one of the challenges that we have all experienced is um, our jobs are worthy, but they actually suck. Like it's mm-hmm. actually really hard and really yeah. painful a lot of the time. And there's a measure of disbelief, uh, perhaps jealousy for somebody in the position where you're like, oh, you know, you've reached the pinnacle of your career and you're actually like, well, wow, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so this idea that you can't admit when things are painful, mm-hmm. if it's if it actually represents a standard that you're supposed to have wanted. Where in your life have you experienced that? Uh, um, I think for me, um, getting into uh, uh, when I first got into book publishing, um, the pressures of that, uh, if you don't sell a certain amount of books, you, uh, the phone may not ring. Um, you know, all of that, uh, of course, because I used to be a screenwriter, being tied to my worth, my value, um, you know, um, can I do this, all of that. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, that's compounded with a very lonely life because uh, writing is a lot of time by yourself. You know, and I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think CEOs, especially with startups, it could be very lonely at the top. Hundred percent, same deal. A lot of time by yourself with your thoughts. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. I do uh, a lot of my deep thinking work for work in the shower. That's where I mm. I really just like steam out and like and that's that's where most of my needle moving ideas come from. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the actual framework for folks to use when they're in session with clients. Um, and what you do is you ask your clients to. Think about three standards, maybe even two to start with, that they have been hanging on to that tell the world that they're good enough. Mm. So you identify what those standards are. Um, they can be money, can be being a, you've talked about this, being a good parent. What does that yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, physical attractiveness. And then for each standard, um, the awareness comes in where we go after, well, how do we feel when we feel that we're not living up to this standard? Um, and what are the sacrifices that you make in mm-hmm. order to live up to the standard? How does it actually impact your life? How does it detract from your life? So I'll do one, you do one. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go yeah, first? Yeah, wow. It's very thorough. I love it. Um, you go first while I buy, time, buy okay. myself some time. Okay. And so, um, so I, I have had a long history of eating disorders, anorexia, Mm. bulimia, binge eating disorder, Mm. body dysmorphia, so much fun. Um, the standard that 
I was chasing was that as a woman, um, I'm not worthy unless I'm in a, a visibly like thin body that's mm. acceptable to society. Mm. And when I felt like I wasn't meeting that standard, um, I experienced shame um, and uh, anguish, mm-hmm. you know, truly. And the sacrifice that I made to be able to live up to that standard, especially in my 20s, which is so sad because it was my 20s, was that I didn't leave the house. I was so held captive by this idea that I was unacceptable if I looked a certain way that I stopped participating in life. Mm. And I lost those years. And now completely on the other side of eating disorders where I no longer experience that I don't even think about my body anymore. I just, Mm -hmm. I have too much work. I just go, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, Like, like thinking about how held in place I was by that shit. It's, Mm -hmm. there's grief there. I lost so much. I lost my ability to experience joy and experience the world. Yeah. Wow. I'm someone that uh, can't just do one thing. You know, I, 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 I'm someone that, um, has to always be spinning multiple plates. Even when I was a kid, um, you know, I wasn't just doing one thing. I was, you know, building Legos and then, and then doing this with, uh, uh, turning my house into a roller coaster and then, you know, break dancing. I was do, always doing many things. And because of that, I feel like in my profession, um, I'm not a master of one. I'm kind of, uh, okay at a lot of things. And, uh, or that's how I see myself. And so, um, I feel like, um, that that's tied to success, you know, that successful people are really amazing at one thing, right? Um, Michael Jordan, or Bruce Lee, or like people that, you know, are successful at this one specific craft or this one thing. And because I do a lot of things, sometimes I feel like um, I'm not going to be successful, or that I'm not as impactful because um, I'm spreading myself too thin. But uh, it's how I'm wired. It's how I, it's what makes me happy in life, you know? So um, that kind of conflict back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, as we sit there and and as we're thinking about this, okay, well, what do we do with this? Where do we go with this? How do we move this in session? Um, We know that it's impossible to experience a negative emotion and a positive emotion at the same time. And when we identify these deep um, emotional potholes, you know, that we sit in, it, it, even though it is hard, and I don't say this lightly because I just disclosed my, my years, decades long challenge with eating disorders. Mm -hmm. It is ultimately a choice to stay captive. So the big question for, for your clients is, do you want to stay captive to that? Do you want to? Mm-hmm. Do you want mm-hmm. to have that standard controlling your life as you're looking at the sacrifices that you made, as you're looking at the loss? And that's up to the client to determine for themselves. Some people might not be ready and they might say, I'm, I, I, I do want to stay trapped by that standard. And then the coach has to accept that, right? Um, mm-hmm. But for those who don't, the question becomes, well, what do you want to experience instead? Yes. And I think um, the beginning of this starts with acceptance, right? So with my story, um, I am a mad scientist. I accept that 
I am a Korean bodega. I accept that. I'm always going to be doing a thousand things. Um, Kevin Hart does a thousand things, right? He's not just a comedian. He's now an entrepreneur. He's doing you know, all these things. And so um, I think starting with accepting, uh, accepting who you are, how you are, where you were, you know, what, what makes you happy. I think all of that is kind of the beginning, you know, the giving yourself permission, right? Yeah. And yeah. using that as your compass mm-hmm. to say, you know, am I, am I, am I living in a way where I'm giving myself enough stimulation? Am I doing enough things? How would it change yeah. for you if you turned your dial to, am I doing enough things? Mm. I mean, I, I think the answer is yes. I think I am doing awesome. enough enough things for sure. Um, sometimes I take on too much, but as far as enough, am I doing enough? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've designed my life in a way where I feel like um, I am doing enough. Yeah, and I guess for me it would be, you know, um, am I leaving the house? Am I getting out the door? Am I experiencing, mm-hmm. you know, enough in the life. world? Yeah, juxtaposed against the cage that I once sat in, and I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. I awesome. It. Awesome. Well, thank you, John. I hope everyone, this was uh, helpful today. Lots of food for thought, some some entry points um, to our own psyches and the psyches of our clients mm-hmm. and the really nice example of some coaching work. Yes. A reminder to uh, start your life audit and uh, sit with some of these powerful questions and see where you land. And if you want to do this with others, come see us at Lumia. Yes. All right. Be well. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a bold community to do it with. Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training, and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for a sign, this is it.